Station 2, San Jose Avenue. From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the Datebook Podcast. I'm pop culture critic Peter Hartlob here with Mick LaSalle for Movies with Mick LaSalle. Welcome, sir. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. A lot going on in this episode, a lot of movies, but yeah. you, you mentioned the Castro Theater and what's good and bad about it. I'll let listeners wait to hear about that. Okay, sure. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what, where's your favorite place to see a movie? See either a screening or just go see a movie in San Francisco? Okay, well, if it's a screening, I just like whatever theater is closest to my house because then I'm working. But if if I'm talking about the theater the theater that means most to me in San Francisco, it's the Roxy, Roxy Theater. It used to be the Roxy Center cinema because that place was the scene of some of my great memories as a critic. I mean, they did the Norma Shearer Festival in 1994. They did um, they did uh, the, the Lon Chaney Festival in 19, I think, 95. Oh, no, that was 94, too. But it was just one great thing after another. They did all these great Hong Kong movies when they were coming out then, like Naked Killer and and so just when I go there, there's, there's a smell in the lobby. It's the smell of coffee, and they make coffee. Uh-huh. And I, I, just, I, um, I just have this kind of a, a sensory. It just takes me back to the, these wonderful moments. Well, there's so many, been so many near-death experiences with the Roxy, Roxy yeah. and it's just so great that it's still there. Yeah, it, it is still there, and I think that they're, they're making money. They're actually doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's we're starting great. with a positive. I like it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's mostly positive. Yeah. So, Lieber Hertz returns today. You're going to talk about Annabelle Comes Home, the Beatles theme movie Yesterday, and two upcoming movies, Midsummer and Spider-Man Far From Home. Datebook Podcast. Thanks for listening. Well, hello, everybody. This is Mick LaSalle, and welcome to Movies with Mick LaSalle. I am here with my former editor, the late, great Lieber. <laughs> no, the, the great Lieber Hertz. Hi, Lieber. Hi, everybody. And we are here to talk about the movies of the last two weeks, and also, well, yeah, well, upcoming in the sense that, well, it depends. I don't know when this is going to post. But also, we're going to be talking about upcoming movies, two upcoming movies, movies for next week, which are uh, Midsummer. And also Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man's next week. Spider-Man oh. is next week. Yeah, oh, yeah, because yeah. the 4th of July holiday. They yeah, the 4th of July. Yeah, 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 they're doing that. So anyway, uh, so Liba, h- how are you? What's going I'm on? I'm really good. Um, I, on Wednesday night, I was at the Castro for the Frameline Festival, and a terrific documentary called Sid and Judy about Judy Garland and her husband Sid Luft with voiceovers of... Re- reading some of the stuff or, in, or acting, including a, a John Hamm as Sid and yeah. one of your favorites, Jennifer Jason Lee as Judy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. And it was at one point in the middle oh, of the movie. Oh, that could be good. It, it was just it was just a magical night. And at one point, uh, she sings a duet with Barbara Streisand. Just you know, people know this is not a spoiler. And the movie, if, if they could have stopped the movie, then they would have because the whole audience just erupted in, wow. in applause. It was absolutely a magical moment. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, every so often you get them in a the movie theater. They're just wonderful. Yeah. Although the Castro, that happens more often than not. I mean, the Castro, mm-hmm. I find that the Castro it, I, is is 
usually horrible for repertory because you have an audience there that comes there wanting to make wisecracks and unless it's a comedy from 1939 or something as opposed to a drama if they're there for a drama they just wisecrack their way through it and it's it's annoying uh but for new movies to see a debut castro is amazing, amazing. and uh yeah it's it's just so good to see a, a debut there and first of all the theater is great but there's just just great audiences yeah. there, just wonderful audiences. So anyway, uh, I guess we should uh, take a look at some of the movies that are coming out on Friday, June 28th. What about the June 21st movie? Do we uh, we'll about save that okay, for we'll later. That later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll June 28th, um, we had uh, Too Late to Die Young. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, we're starting on the bottom here. Uh, this is a movie. Now, this movie, I'd, be, I'd almost be curious. I'd, I'd be curious... To, to see what other people would have to say about this movie. Like, if I were right now talking to, to if, if this was a conversation rather than me actually, you know, me and you mm -hmm. talking at people, I would love to hear what they had to say, except they haven't seen the movie, but I'd love to know if they did see it, because this is what's weird. This movie has gotten rave reviews across the country, like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you're the 3%. I'm the 3%. <laughs> not, but I'm, I'm completely baffled about what anything, what any good can be said, said for this movie. I'll tell you what it's about. It's, uh, it takes place in, it's, it's a Chilean film, it takes place in the woods. It's like these families go away to the, to the woods for uh, the holiday in what we would call the summer. Actually, it's not the summer because it's, you know, the southern hemisphere so they go it's like 90 degrees but they're celebrating new year's sounds kind of fun actually yeah. that part mm -hmm. i like and it's about mainly it's about it's about everybody and it's about nobody it's just about these all these families who are all camping out but it's also about this 16 year old girl and she likes some kid who likes her but then she likes this other guy who's a little bit older maybe he's in his 20s and they both like her and it's like yeah who cares? It, it's like going on vacation with these people that you don't care about. And then it's set in, it's set in 1990, we're told. No accommodation is made to the era that I can tell, except for the fact that, she, that the, the girl in the story has Sinead O'Connor pictures up on her uh, mirror, which is, you know, nobody would do that past 1992, I don't think. And Allende has been overthrown already. Uh, Oh no, Allende is seventy three, but yeah, yeah he's no, gone. The, he's no, gone. no, no. But the the crucial thing is that that in nineteen ninety, um, Pinochet, Pinochet is gone, mm -hmm. and I believe the movie is taking place after Pinochet is gone. So these people are newly free. But I I defy anybody. Well, I don't defy anybody because there's a million reviews that say it's there. I don't see like how you can tell that Pinochet is gone. I don't really get it. Uh, so I would really like some, you know. People, if, I would love for people to say, oh, no, no, the part that you missed is this, because I look at this movie and I, and I don't see anything. And then I went and started, after I wrote it, I looked at some of the reviews, and I'm baffled by what they saw, what they enjoyed. They talk about how a mood is created. You know, whenever, I'll tell you mm -hmm. something, whenever a movie's bad, people talk about a mood is created. Sometimes a mood mm -hmm. is created. But when you have, you know, nobody says about The Godfather, a mood is created, although a mood is created mm -hmm. because there's a great story, scene by scene, there's a great script, great acting. If you're reduced to saying a mood is created, usually you're talking about a bad movie. 
But to believe, though, to, to, to believe, though, that 97% of the people are somehow being intimidated into giving a good review on the basis of maybe this previous, this filmmaker's previous That's work. That's what I was going to ask you about it's it. It's Domingo Sant- Sotomayor. I haven't seen any her previous film, but it was very respected. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't believe it. I think people actually do like the movie. They're seeing things in it that I'm not seeing. But I don't necessarily think general audiences will agree with them. I also felt the same way about The Souvenir, which if you look at the consensus that runs in the Sunday Pink, is at the top of the list. And I thought it was terrible. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know. just and, we, and, and should we say what we what we call this? Oh, well, you, I don't know if, if it qualifies, but you'd say it, though. It's kind of the Vera Drake syndrome. Well, the, yeah, the Vera Drake syndrome. Yeah, the Vera, the Vera... I'm not sure if this is the Vera Drake syndrome. I'm not sure. The Vera Drake syndrome... Uh, Liba, this is Liba's phrase for a movie that people feel obligated to like because it's so nice. This movie isn't so nice, but that is there is that phenomenon. And not only that, but not only you would in the case of Vera Drake, everybody gave it a good review, but I even gave it a good review. <laughs> and I told him to give it a good review. Yeah, it was like we were on drugs. And then about like two weeks later, we looked up and said. This thing is horrible. The only thing good about it was it was the performance by Imelda Staunton. She was fantastic in the movie, but the rest of the movie was deadly dull. The best thing about that oh. movie is when they come in to arrest her. Her acting is really good, and it's really funny that she's getting arrested. It works both ways. <laughs> if you like the movie, you say, wow, her acting is great. And if you don't like the movie, you say, finally, she's getting arrested, and isn't this funny? <laughs> uh, I, 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 th- 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 that movie, by the way, a good double feature, okay? Watch uh, the Vera Drake story. No, Vera Drake. <laughs> Vera Drake. Watch Vera Drake and then watch The Story of Women, which is a French movie. This is about mm-hmm. au pair. It is the same story. It takes place mid-century, and it's about some woman giving illegal abortions. And and the beauty of the, the story of women is the woman uh, in The Story of Women it's Isabeau Pair, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't care that she's killing people. She's just, I mean, she's actually like, she does things wrong. People die mm-hmm. and people come to her and they say, you know, my wife died because of you. And Isabeau Pair has that blank expression. She's trying to make believe she cares. So it's like complete opposite. It's like the same story. Woman gets in trouble for doing illegal abortions and a completely different sensibility. Mm-hmm. And one is so much better than the other. Then there's anyway. the Romanian movie as well. Oh, that's a great trem- well, which is tremendous. Well, that's not about a woman giving abortions, but yeah, that's one of the great movies of uh, the 21st century. Yeah. That's four months, three weeks, and two days. Yeah, uh, that's by Christian Munju. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. That I tell you, if anybody has hasn't seen that movie, that's something you can do this week. Go see that. You know, rent it. Yeah. Whatever. Get it. But from again, Netflix. that's about that's about uh, uh, illegal abortion again. So. Yeah, it's about illegal abortion. In this case, it's a guy doing the abortion. Right. It's Mr. Baby. Oh, Mr. Baby, Mr. Baby. giving the abortions. It's yeah. so. It, that is so. Yeah, that, that's, that's a really a, that's a, That is a devastating movie. Fant- it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Let's get. Let's turn to happier things. Uh, Annabelle, come home. Well, you know, I, I'm curious. This is another one. I, I'd be curious. I haven't gone on Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes to look. I'd be curious how people react to this one. I liked it. I liked Annabelle Comes Home. And the reason why I liked it is sometimes the same reason why I like, you know, a movie like um, Dark Phoenix. It's a genre movie, but it's a genre movie in a way that I didn't expect. So, I, I you know, this is a horror movie. And I, th- it's set up like it's a slasher movie. You know who's supposed to get killed, but nothing happens like you expect. And in fact, basically the whole movie takes place. You know, the movie takes place. I guess it's like ninety-minute movie or something. But 
the things that happen in this movie in another movie would take 15 minutes to happen. Everything is elongated, but there's there's a lot of suspense. I think the acting is really good. So that, and the acting is good across the board, which means that the director is good. Who's the director? Uh, I think it's Gary Dauberman. Did he do um, the first one? Uh, he has been involved in these. I think he's written some. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if he's direct. I don't think he, he didn't direct the, the first, first one. one. I believe the first one. Um, our engineer here, Peter Hartlop, I think gave it a top rating or a clapping man. Uh, hi, I, I, <laughs> I did not. Um, I gave the Conjuring, which oh, was kind of the genesis, the the opening salvo of the Annabelle films, did get my highest rating. Was in my top ten. I love the Conjuring too. I think I gave the Annabelle uh, first movie a three, but it was a friendly three. And James friendly, James Wan man. is the producer, and he's the one who's kind of the yeah, that's a mastermind. friendly, interested man. And, and friendly, Walter interested. gave the the next one. A relatively friendly three. It wasn't a con- friendly, interested man. It, yeah, friendly, yeah, friendly, interested man. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Walter's usual, uh, you know, did slice and dice. <laughs> he, he was nice. Walter's the nicest guy in the world. But he's a tough critic. Oh, he he makes Mick, who everybody thinks is the toughest critic in the world, look like just a just a walk over the guy. Yeah, to yeah. Walter. Well, the, the thing is with me, the reason why people think that I'm tough is because when I don't like something. Um, I'm just sort of, uh, you know, I I just it's like chopping down a tree. I I just want to, I just want to, I just want to annihilate it. <laughs> but uh, but actually, if you look, I you know I'm I'm considered. If you look at my averages and and whatever the aggregators are, I'm uh, I'm actually pretty easygoing guy. Not quite like the late Roger Ebert who liked everything, but Roger Ebert should have liked everything mm-hmm. because he was so influential that he could wreck everybody. So if you're in Roger Ebert's place, you want the f- the first port of entry to like let you in, and then let the piranhas get you later on. If you have a piranha at the door, it would have been a terrible thing. He he, I think he used his power. And Vincent kindly. Camby also liked everything. And my judgment from Vincent Camby, if he liked a movie, I may or may not go. If he hated a movie, I would never go because he really, if it was bad, it, if he didn't like it, you knew it was bad. And Vincent Camby, we should identify to those who are... New York uh, Times. Yeah, New York Times critic. Because before he retired, he became a theater critic, too. So he, he was there. That's what we're talking a while ago. Oh. Uh, like Janet Maslin days. Yeah. Um, okay, and so, uh, so I liked it. I thought okay. it was good. I thought it was well done. I thought mm-hmm. the little girl in it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think she was just terrific. Um and, and Vera Famiga was very good, too. Oh, that's why you liked it. Oh, she's barely in it. <laughs> yeah. She's barely in it, but she's very, she's and like I can't blame, And I can't blame Mick. She's marvelous, and she deserves a better fate in her career. I didn't know I was like this guy who liked Vera Famiga. Oh, yeah. You always liked Vera Famiga. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's funny. I know I like Jennifer Aniston, I know you but like I didn't that, but, know. But Vera, but, but Vera Famiga has more legitimacy than Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I, I You know, <laughs> I tell you, I'm now at the stage where... It's weird, you know. I'm seeing you know women in movies, and and and, and I'm getting too old for them, even in in the realm of fantasy. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, like, well, I'm saying it's like if I'm 40 years old or I'm 35 years old, and I'm watching a movie with like a 30 year old leading lady, I could imagine it's conceivable that she might like me if I had enough money for her to like me, right? I mean, there would be like some way. But now I, I see, because still I watch a movie not as if I'm 
sexy. I watch a movie <laughs> as if I'm just me, like this this pure essence, this this platonic ideal of myself watching a movie. And I'm watching a movie, and I'm saying, oh wow, Lily James. I was just oh, gonna say oh, that. Oh, she's too. so nice, and oh, Lily James. Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. She uh, and then no, I, I I'm like I'm old enough to be Lily James. Lily James's father's older brother. <laughs> <laughs> Which gets us to our next movie. Yeah, gets us to our next movie. And I'm movie. really confused about the title of the movie. It's, it's, it's about, the title of the movie is a song I never heard of. Yesterday, yeah, I know, because you're in the of universe. The so, so I, I never heard of this song. Yesterday? Yeah. Uh, and, the, and, it, it, and it deals with this group called the Beatles? Right, and nobody knows them. In the movie, mm-hmm. what a great idea. And then I was, well, okay, it's a great idea. A guy wakes up in an alternate universe in which he is the only one who knows the Beatles songs. Nobody else has heard of the Beatles. Okay, and he's a struggling singer-songwriter. So he can sing, he can play, he can reproduce the songs. And so he has a big leg up. Suddenly, he has a great song catalog. <laughs> he has amazing... I was, I was... Okay, so that's a great idea. The question is, are they going to be able to do something with that idea? Because that gets you... That's like a two-act out of a three-act story. It's like, okay, so you know he this ha- he establishes it. It happens. He realizes. Then the next wave is he probably becomes successful because that's fun. And then what happens next? And they come up with stuff. And and, and one absolute brilliant moment. And yeah, and there's one really great moment in the movie. It's a it's a spoiler, folks. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, there's. I think the movie's a little bit as a John Lennon man from way back, and I mean way back before he died. You know what I mean? Like it, it before wasn't... he went off on his own. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I just I just received word that the embargo for Midsummer is over, so we could talk about Midsummer, <laughs> and we can release the podcast a little bit earlier. That's great. Anyway, there's three things I want to say about this movie. Um, one is that uh, the movie first of all, deals with the intangible thing of, like, will you become a star? Even if you have all those songs, there is also, you know, this is 2019. The Beatles came out in 1960, well, 63, really. They really hit big. Yeah, 64 was Shea but 64, Stadium. It, was the Shea Stadium Well, 64 with the main... Ed Sullivan. Sullivan, yeah. So it's 1964. You know, you don't have Kennedy just got assassinated. You don't have musical taste being what they are. And you don't have four of the most charming guys on the planet doing the songs. In fact, the guy who does the songs, aside from the fact that he's a great singer and he... he I guess he's a good musician. I guess that's really him playing. He's a rather unprepossessing guy. He's just like an average guy. He's not he's not off-putting, yeah. but he's not he's not Paul McCartney, you know. And Paul McCartney at 23 years old. Um so the movie makes you wonder if he's going to become a success. Another thing that the movie does which is really interesting, I didn't think was possible, is that because we have a tendency in an audience to identify with the with the experience of the people on screen, the movie actually persuades us to hear the Beatles songs as if for the first time. When he plays Yesterday, and he thinks he's playing a famous song to his friends, but they have never heard it, and they're listening to hear, him hear the song, all of a sudden I heard Yesterday, like for, probably for the first time since I was seven years old. I mean, <laughs> I know. Well, no, I mean, as if for the first time. Yeah. Um, yesterday, I mean, I dimly, dimly remember this as being an amazingly great song from when I was like starting, like first I grade. Never liked it. Uh, I, I, 
it, it has since become Muzak. Yeah. And it is. It seemed. I don't know. I, I never. Yeah. I haven't really particularly liked the song either. Really. Yeah. It's not a song I have a play. Uh, it's. It's been so oversaturated. But in the moment where he sings it, you kind of share in the experience, yeah. and you also share in the experience of other songs. I do think the movie is a little bit McCartney heavy. I. I think it's a little McCartney heavy. I mean, when there's a moment in the movie where he has to play a song him and Ed Sheeran who's in the movie I didn't know Ed Sheeran was a real rock star that's how out of it I am uh, Ed Sheeran is in I know who himself. Ed Sheeran is I had to explain who Ed Sheeran yeah, is I, I just want to justify I know who Ed Sheeran is yeah. and you're even older than I am <laughs> that's right <laughs> anyway so uh, uh, Ed Sheeran and him do a competition at one point and Ed Sheeran writes a song and then he writes a song and of course he's not really writing the song he's just and, and the song they pull out is an example of a really great song is the long and winding road, and I guess they wanted to stick with the Beatles songbook, but I, I thought maybe it would be kind of cool to, you know, whip out Imagine or or something, or or if you want to stick with the Beatles, you could do. Uh, I guess maybe Lennon was so eccentric if he sat there and he he sang "I Am the Walrus," it might seem like what are you talking about? But I we, think that would have been great. Well, the back in the USSR was an interesting thing. That was great, and and they actually explained. It was, you know, that he was, you know, honoring the Soviet Union because, of course, the Soviet Union was in existence. They do a lot of small, clever things. You have Kate McKinnon as this obnoxious man, um, agent, I guess, in, in, in L.A. And she's funny. She's, she's really a lot great. of the laughs. She's yeah. really great. And at one point, he's singing some songs for the album, and he sings a Beatles song, which is great. Then he sings his own song. <laughs> and it's just that's his problem. He's terrible composer. He's he's not actually but he's then, not terrible. He's just mediocre. Mediocre. I he's guess not terrible. Made, and you can see the difference. And I think that was a brilliant move by the director to show this is why he's doing this because he's got greatness and he doesn't have that greatness to compose. Yeah. And, yeah. And then there's the, the famous um, and you've seen it on the coming attraction. So I'm not giving anything away. Is when Ed Sheeran tells him to change the lyrics of Hey Jude to Hey Dude. And of course, you're sitting there and he gets stuck doing it. And then he goes, Why did you say Hey Dude? He goes, Don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also something else that I thought was very sophisticated in this movie. Yeah. And it's and really sophisticated in the way it's tr- it's treated. By the way, this is this mm-hmm. was this is a Danny Boyle movie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like a Danny Boyle movie except that it looks good. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not fancy in the way it looks. It's just it looks it looks great, but it's it's not it doesn't call attention to itself. And the movie never says this. It never says it. But it, it you somehow you get that feeling to inspire this kind. These songs are very powerful. These songs have the power to make somebody insanely famous, not just a little bit famous, and and make audiences rabid and devouring. And the movie implies in a couple of very pointed ways that to become famous on this scale is actually dangerous. If you think about the Beatles, I mean, everybody knows the fact that one of the Beatles was killed by a crazy fan. But actually, another one was almost killed by a crazy fan. George Harrison, a lunatic, busted into his house, stabbed him. He came with like like a half inch of, of getting killed. It was just a maniac fan. So that's a 50% chance right there of driving people crazy. And, and he never and got over that either. George Harrison? Yeah, he never got over that. That well, was he never was, revealed until later yeah. when he died that he really 
had a lot of problems because of that. Well, he, yeah. he was sick to begin with, yeah. but that may have pushed him into the grave a little yeah. bit earlier because that kind yeah. of thing when you're very he sick. He was very badly hurt, and apparently he was, you know, it was it was touch and go there for a while. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, nobody knows that because it doesn't have the same impact of, of course, mm. what happened to John Lennon because he, he lived, you know. For those who don't know, he was uh, killed on a Monday night football game and what was the year, 1980? December 8th, 1980. 80. A date that will definitely live in for me. Yeah, 80 or 81? 80. 80, that's right. And he um, was at the Dakota, This he lived in the Dakota, yeah, very, very upscale New York apartment yeah. building, and they were coming back, him and Yoko Ono, his wife at the time, and this madman just went and shot him. And if you, my, I was watching Monday Night Football, and the great Howard Cosell actually <laughs> interrupted the football game, and nobody cared about the game after that. Well, yeah, and actually it was a very interesting point in the game. It was mm. in the fourth quarter, and uh, the next play was actually rather amazing mm. because one team was going to win, but actually th- th- they they kicked and they blocked the kick, and it was actually a really good game, but nobody remembers the game. But I was not watching football. I was in New York, and I did not find out in that way. Everybody else found out that way, but if you were in New York or if your father played the horses like my father did, <laughs> so he was listening to WINS, um, the first thing that we heard is that Lennon was shot, then we heard that he was shot four times, and then we heard that he died. And this is over a span of about an hour. And um, so the, when, when I heard that John Lennon got shot, I, I, I thought that he got into an argument with somebody, and I didn't, I, I didn't actually think it was serious. And then when I heard he was shot four times, then I thought, oh, boy, this is bad. And then, and then when they led with the news, they, didn't, they, they just, when they started the hour, they said John Lennon was shot and killed today. And that was absolutely devastating. Okay. Uh, my f- friend of mine, we almost went to the Dakota, but then we just thought, what do we have to show off like all these other, you know, weirdos? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was, but I would have to say, honestly, truly, I'm not over it. I'm not over it. You know, th- these things happen, and, you know, th- if you were born in 1981, you can be over it, you know. But uh, I'm not, I'm never going to be over it. I'm it, always it, going to feel was, bad because like, I remember I lived in a world that John Lennon was in, you know. Yeah, and, and I remember when I was little not liking the Beatles because I was like, you know, in the anti-Beatles rock and roll club. Yeah. And I was really – here's a 10-year-old who's like, oh, the Stones and the Animals are oh, much the better. Stones, yeah. And then as I got a little older and Sgt. Pepper came out and um, what, was the, what was the album beforehand I really liked? Revolver or Revolver? Uh, Revolver's before Sgt. Pepper. Right. And, then, and I started listening and I go, this is really good stuff. And yeah. it got better and better when you had the White Album and then you had the um, Abbey Road, which I think is a tremendous album. Yeah. Eh. Second half of Alvaro is just garbage. I love that part. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean the second half is you never give him your money, and there's good things in yeah, the second half, but then it, then, it, then that when it gets into that whole that that's this George that's just that's just George Martin stuff. That's mm-hmm. just put him him putting together. You know, my wife the other day, mm-hmm. my wife, uh, it it is like my wife reads cookbooks all the time, and we had some beef and we had some chicken left over from different dinners and so she read a way to like put all this stuff together and grind it up and make this incredible thing where you 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 and you and you'd saute the meat and then you uh put it in like leaves of cabbage anyway it was absolutely delicious that is what george martin did he just took a bunch of scraps <laughs> that were on the floor and he put it and he turned it into the second half of abbey road but anyway the point is go you know, back to the movie these songs are dangerous and maybe being famous from them is not the best thing to happen to a guy. We, we watch the movie and we root for him to have everything that he wants. And we want that to be, we want that to be the case. But sometimes, sometimes maybe getting what you want is not the good thing. 
Uh, the other thing is we should, we haven't mentioned Lily James. Right. But well, we have, but not about. The you have not about the movie. She is. Delightful. She's. She's. Yeah, she is. She's really just. I mean, she's just. She's lovely. She's absolutely lovely. She is um, the. She's not the girlfriend. We have to believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have to believe that she has really liked him, that guy, and he has never like noticed her, uh, which is pretty that's okay but i guess we're in the realm of fantasy to begin with i mean if you can believe in a world where nobody's heard of the beatles i guess you can believe in a world in which lily james has to like go around for five years waiting for this guy to notice her in any case she's incredibly charming she really is just perfectly lovely she's been that way in every movie mm-hmm. by the way she was in war and peace the british war oh. and peace she playing natasha which is not exactly you know and um who is it uh, paul dano played pierre I mean, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it worked. It, worked. it was actually good, and I'm very critical. I forgot of that she was peace. in Downton Abbey as well. She played Rose in Downton Abbey. Lily James is in Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Wow. I looked it up when I got home. Is I, that I, how she became known? Probably is what probably you know the British. It's weird in, in England because most of these people are getting well known before they even hit television because they're on the stage. Because the West End is still really important. Yeah. So I mean, for example, one of the greatest actresses. English-speaking actors at our time is rarely known in the United States because she doesn't make that many movies. But in England, she's like Dame oh. Juliet Stevenson. Oh, and she's absolutely magnificent. You know, her, but a lot of people just don't know her. I, I, I and she I, most of her fame is from the stage. Juliet Stevenson. Yeah, and most of her fame is from the stage. How, how old is she? She's oh, in the sixties. She's got to be in her sixties by now. Oh, I've seen her. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But she's yeah. been in some wonderful oh, yeah. movies. Very few, but she's very yeah. famous. You in know England. her too. You know her too. She's very, oh. very famous <laughs> in England. And, and the other one is is not Emma Watson, but Emily Watson, who, oh, yeah, for example, has done a bunch of excellent movies, but again, isn't a superstar here. But in England, she is. Again, they go to the West End and do these incredible performances that Lily might have, you know, already had had a reputation. I don't know, yeah. but yeah. And a lot of them get their reputation from EastEnders as well. Don't you love going? Don't you? Well, I guess we get we can't get into a West End discussion, but yeah. don't you love the theater in London? I love the, uh, it's like oh, the safety curtain. Oh, it's the safety curtain. I During the know. intermission, this big thing comes down. Oh, yeah? It's, it's like this big safety curtain. There's a safety this curtain. This is absolutely great. <laughs> yeah, even, they even sell ice cream on intermission, I although I never get it uh, because I'm always I was sitting by where they were selling it. Like, yeah. uh, so anyway, I would see that movie. If you like the Beatles at all, go see that movie. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's a little McCartney heavy, but I do think they make up for it, sort of. But uh, yeah. watch the movie, you'll see. It, by the way, I think Harrison gets as many songs as, as Lennon. Which is pretty funny. Which ones? Uh, I think uh, we definitely got uh, "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." And uh, that's a good one. That's that's a great one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, and uh, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about last week. Last uh, week. Um, yeah, just one movie. Gabby, Gabby. Talk. What is that? Oh yeah, 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 Gabby, yeah, Gabby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toy Story Four. Gabby, 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 Gabby is the uh, evil doll, and yeah, based he, on Chatty Cathy. For those of us who are that oh, old. Oh really? Oh. And oh. I actually, <laughs> if you look at my Facebook or Twitter, I actually posted a picture of my Chatty Cathy that I still have. Oh, and, did you post it in honor of this? Yes, and I said that she was the inspiration. Oh well. Wow. But, but the thing is, I mean, I'm not going to get into details, but her voice box doesn't work. Yeah, her voice box, she can talk, but her voice box to the outside yeah, yeah. world doesn't talk. Exactly. So, anyway. I mean, you kind of wonder why she just bypass that and just, just yeah. talk away. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, this is, these guys, these guys have figured out a way to just touch people. I mean, the, just the beginning of that movie, they're, they're trying to rescue a toy. Uh, they, they are so, then they're trapped inside the closet. 
there's so, you just you get this sense of very pure-hearted beings. They're 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 like they're even more they're they're worse off even than pets. Uh, they're pure-hearted beings who just want to be loved by people, and they want to be used, you know, made use of. But unlike pets who usually are pretty safe until they at least until they start like soiling the carpet or something <laughs> or you know that kind of thing these guys eventually get thrown out or given away but usually actually they do wind up getting thrown out and it's this awareness that that is with us the whole time we we feel like oh no what's going to happen to these guys i feel like i should go back because and I, you know, I'm not the biggest animation fan, although I keep on giving good reviews to animated films. So maybe what I really don't like is the animated films of the 90s. Oh. You know, because I, I hate all that. But you had Toy Story in there. Isn't there a Toy Story in there? I never saw Toy Story. Be- oh. Yeah, I never saw the first Toy Story. I saw Toy Story 3, and I thought it was like a masterpiece. It is but a masterpiece. I, I never saw Toy Story 1 or 2. The reason I got off of animation because... I started going all these animated films in the 90s, and they were all about the same thing, the exact same story. There's a misfit in the kingdom. The kingdom is imperiled, and the misfit has to save the kingdom. And how many times are I going to watch this movie? And I, I just I just said, I don't want to see this stuff anymore. But now they've, they've gone on to other things. And the, these, the, toy, the last Toy Story movie was, was great. I think this one, is, I don't know if this is great, but it, it's pretty moving and it's you know it's like three and a quarter stars out of four maybe maybe three and a half I don't know uh, but anyway Woody <laughs> Woody that's his name he's the sheriff Woody yeah Woody's the sheriff Woody. yeah Woody uh, takes it upon himself to keep on saving this other sort of toy from destroying himself by throwing himself in the garbage because he's just kind of stupid and oh, oh Forky or Spork yeah Sporky, sporky. And I, I recognized that voice immediately. I didn't. I, I didn't. Knew t- that's Tony Hale. I didn't get. I didn't get Bo because the person who plays Bo Peep is much older. That's Andy right. Potts. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but I got Sporky like that. Oh, yeah. I said, that's Tony Hale. Bo, Bo Peep, Andy Potts, the the, the com- combination. Uh, and where are you going to get anybody to tell you something like this, folks? I mean, th- you can only hear it here. The combination of Andy Potts' voice and the animation of Bo Peep. <laughs> She looks like she she was like Gloria Graham, actually. Yeah. I really like the fact that Bo Peep is first. She said, "Oh God, Bo Peep, come on, people!" And she's so empowered in this movie. It was like I actually felt these these toys were real. Oh yeah. I mean, I, if you see an animation, you know that they're, they're toys or they're this. But this one, for some reason, I just kept feeling they were real. Even the dinosaur, you know, Wallace Shawn. I just felt that there was a reality to them that, that I felt like I could walk on the street and go, hey, Woody, how you doing, you know? I mean, it, it, yeah, it, no, it's, it, anyway, it's, I, I would say, if if you see it, it's a really good movie. <laughs> even if you, <laughs> even if you think that you, you won't like it, it, it you, and of course most people mm-hmm. are not like me, they actually think they will like it. Uh, but I always go into these movies. I go into every animated film skeptical. I really do because you're not really seeing people's faces, and all I'm interested in acting is is basically the human beings presenting themselves to other human beings. That's what acting is. But I, I love this. I mean, I, love is great. It's too word, too big a word. I really, 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 really liked it. Yeah, and I, I and I thought terrific. it was kind of I, I thought it was kind of wonderful. By the way, Gabby Gabby, who's based on the Chatty Cathy, that's a voice I didn't get, which was Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. 
Yeah, 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 and yeah. I, yeah. And it, and it was, but, but, but you have to see her and her bodyguards, I guess you can call them. I'm not going to give away the bodyguards. Uh, the no, bodyguards. no, no, the bodyguards. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so anyhow, so let's... Um, Let's, uh, go to, uh, let's let's go to let's go to the future. Let's go to because uh, we yeah because the because the yeah. the embargoes have both lifted. And, and, and why don't you take a mini break and let uh, Peter let Harlow talk yeah, about Spider Man? Yeah, Peter's going to tell us about Spider Man. What what is the name of the movie? The official uh, Spider Man Far From Home. For, oh yeah, yeah, and go. it's the first movie after Avengers Endgame. So oh. yeah, so you know we've saved the world. We're all back. Half of humanity is back. But and but so and so isn't here. Uh, Tony Tony Stark Iron Man is dead. That's oh! not a spoiler. It's oh, not a spoiler no! anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody's seen the movie by now. Well, so. is he is he dead at the start of this movie? Yeah, yeah, he's dead. I mean, there's there's murals for him up there. He's he's gone and being memorialized. Hey, look, all bets are off for the first twenty minutes of story. Yeah, yeah. you got to say what the movie's about. Tony's dead. Wow. Tony's dead. Well, he died in Endgame. Oh, I know he did. So you know, I know I've been just uh, and been I got raked so. over the calls for an innuendo on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah the innuendo was very subtle. It was like Tony Stark is dead. That was the <laughs> no, I didn't. You said maybe we see Tony Stark in the next movie. I said I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was like Tony Stark. We're not going to be seeing him no more. I said yeah. I don't think so. Anyway, so so tell us about it. Tell, Tell, tell well, you know, I mean, where are they going to go? They've already saved the world. They've already had a million aliens coming and fighting them. So they go way back in two different ways. They uh, decide that Spider-Man doesn't want to be an Avenger. He wants to be a high school kid. And very, very funny. Like Nick Fury is trying to get a hold of him because yeah. like, there's the world that needs to be saved from other little threats. And he won't answer his call. He's ghosting <laughs> Nick Fury to go on his European trip and... <laughs> And ask his girlfriend out. That's what he wants to do. And then um, on the other hand, just the tone of it, it, they've got the writer and director from Ant-Man and the first Spider-Man who makes it funny, worked with Paul Rudd, you know, just really works with a comic script. And all the things we've been taking super seriously with the Marvel Universe movies for the last few years you know, half of the people disappearing in the memorials, uh, Captain America standing in front of the memorial, all that's gone. We're making fun of it now. Oh, good. Yeah, they're yeah. calling it, they call it the blip. And the movie opens with like an AV club, uh, a couple of high school students doing their tribute to all the people who have fallen, but it's just high school AV club, totally ridiculous and funny. <laughs> oh, wow. And they, they show slapstick scenes of everybody disappearing and coming back something that they never would have done in an avengers movie because it's so serious and i think that was the right way to go the movie itself far from home um uh, jake gyllenhaal's mysterio and he's kind of like a a new figure new hero or villain and um you know they, they take it in this direction that's just much smaller scale and I like it. I mean, yeah. you can't go bigger, yeah. so pull it back and make it more of a human thing and make it funny. You know, all the all the memes we've been seeing about Avengers movies and Twitter memes and people making fun of it. This movie does that, and they yeah. do it actually better. Yeah. Um, so I, it was enjoyable. It it, it had a few pacing problems. Um, they put it out just two years after the first Spider Man Spider Man Homecoming, and I think that was too short of a period. Mm. Reminded me of the Iron Man films where it seems like they brought it out too quickly. But enjoyable movie, and it's where they had to go. Yeah. I yeah. like Tom Holland, too. I like him in a way that he's a lot more uh, naive than the other two that played the part. Yeah. He's, uh, he just he plays it like with this, like, 
like oh boy kind of uh, thing. He's like got a vulnerability. Wonder, a wonder to he's him. got he's a got vulnerability a that's him. believable, yeah. and it's it's hard to believe because yeah. he's got all these powers. Yeah, so why would he be vulnerable? But, but, but he kind of has a he's kind of has a wonder to him, like he's wondering, and the others are like. I'm I smart like on Peter Parker. I like I like Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I, I liked him too, but I think this is a different like angle. They play him more, like you know, older and and more wiser than this yeah. one's like just learning. Yeah, that's really true. This, this meets it's him just, early It's just in something his different, and I just it's yeah. just it's just it's just very nice to see some somebody who's able to like not imitate them actually. Yeah. It also, true. everybody's like dead or off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. There are no, there aren't like fifty heroes that you have to serve in this mm. film. Know, yeah. So it allows it to be two hours long, and then some of the secondary characters really get some good moments. Yeah. Um, John Favreau, who plays oh, Happy Hogan, he's kind of like Tony Stark's body man. Mm. All we've seen him do in these movies is hand someone a briefcase or like console someone when they're sad. He actually gets. To be a character here, oh, we good. get to learn a little bit about him. He's funny. Um, you get I assume he was a producer on the movie too. I'm yeah, guessing he, he's involved with with a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's a big name. But um, a couple guys come in: Martin Starr and J.B. Smoove come in and play the two teachers who are chaperoning this European mm-hmm. trip, and they're given time to be funny. And you know, they're the dorky, don't quite want to be there, but a little bit too strict about the rules. Chaperones. Um, I, I just liked it. It pulled back. Um, do people have to stay through the credits? I didn't. I ran to my BART train because <laughs> um, I wanted to get home, and I didn't stay to the credits. So I'm going to have to go back again. I'm sure I missed No, not always, because huge... in Avengers, they actually told us we didn't have to stay for the end of the credits. Yeah, and nobody then... told me not to. I yeah. just was like, it was one of those things where they check in the phones yeah. and the backpacks. So I was running to get my phone. Otherwise, I was going to be another yeah. half hour and miss my BART train. Mm-hmm. So. Does that is is that an ethical issue that I didn't see the the end no, credit no, stinger? No, no, no. I just, I just, I just know no. that. I as soon as the like, credits start, you can leave. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends. Sometimes, like the credits continue with some action, which was yeah, which that's was yesterday. Else. I think had that going on yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you if yeah, okay, as soon as the credits come on, you can stand up. If <laughs> if you notice that. Uh, that they are still showing part of the movie, then you have the option to sit sit down or watch the rest of it from the wings. But to me, you know, when when they when they're hitting you with credits, that means the movie's over, unless there's more dialogue, and then you have to sit there. But the one thing that that I don't think you have to do is to sit through ten minutes of credits to just see their commercial for the next movie. Mm-hmm. All that, right, that I, I'm not. Yeah. Afraid. All right. So do you want? Although you know although I have to say the first Avengers with the with the shawarma. Totally worth sitting through the last 10 minutes for the shawarma. (laughs) I'll wait for video. Uh, I'm still waiting. Uh, So uh, one more. Uh, One more movie. It's called Midsummer, not to be confused with Midsummer Murders on PBS. That's right. That's that's, that's right. And it's spelled like that. It's spelled, yeah. It's, um, well, I haven't written this yet. And so you're going to hear, like, you know, me kind of being kind of incoherent. This is a very weird movie. Um, and I have very uh, strong feelings about it. I think it, it, there's no question that the guy who made the movie can make movies. I mean, it's very clear that this person is really talented within maybe five minutes and that he has his own way of doing things. He's a young director. forgot his name, but we'll know it soon. But on the other hand, the the movie is really kind of awful, too. <laughs> it It's... 
oh, it's so weird. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. And it's about these, these people who get invited to go to Sweden, but not to Stockholm, but to go to northern Sweden for some festival that they're told they're like anthrop- some of them are anthropology majors or something and say it's going to be interesting you can do a paper about it you can do a thesis about it so they go and it's one Swedish guy who's telling them yeah come with me you're going to love it so they go all go up there and and it's and the, the people are very nice and they're very Swedish and everything's great and everybody has flowers in their hair and then things start getting bad um, and basically this is an insane cult one of the aspects of the cult is that everybody is that they believe that life has seasons and each season is 18 years. So the first season is childhood, second season is adulthood and third season I guess is more adulthood and then finally it's old age and then um, and then when you're 72 you have to kill yourself. <laughs> and 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 this the the scene of this woman it's so disgusting. This woman jumps off a thing and purposely lands face first on and body first onto a rock. And then immediately you get, of course, the close-ups of her smashed-in face. Then her old friend, he's next up. He misses the rock. He lands, and he's like, oh, oh. he's doing that. And so they come over with the ceremonial mallet and start smashing his face in, and you see that. And it's totally disgusting. Disgusting. So much of this movie is so disgusting and and ultimately silly and pointless, but tense. I mean, once you get on to what's going on with this movie, and it doesn't take long, it certainly doesn't take two hours and 20 minutes, you know where this is heading. You start feeling like, come on, come on. You know, get somebody else to write the script next time. I, actually, I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm assuming the guy wrote the script. I, like I say, I, I haven't written the review yet, uh, but it had the feeling of something that the person wrote themselves. Is, is, it, is, is it what language is it in? Uh, it's in English because and it, stars in it. Uh, Do you know? Oh well, Florence Pugh, oh, the British Florence actress. Pugh. Yeah, she's very good. Um, but it's it's really a combination of 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 kind of really good <laughs> filmmaking and. And still an awful movie. You know, you can't... Oh, yeah, he wrote it. And I see, I, I'm right. I'm right, because it had, it had the feeling of something that, that somebody wrote themselves. Because another director would say, you know, if it was somebody else's script, they'd say, okay, we can, you know, we can cut this part out. It's not... We don't need this. It's not necessary. Yeah, this has the real self-indulgent quality about it, but kind of garbage made by a talented person. You know, like those some of those bad Tarantino movies, you know? Mm-hmm. The talent was obvious, even, you know, in a movie like Kill, Kill Bill. Kill Bill Volume 1. Yeah, Kill Bill, which I hated. I mean, Bill Volume I, 1 you hated. Yeah, I like Volume 2. <laughs> You're the few people who actually could pull that fact out of the, uh, <laughs> the thin air. Yeah, or even like... Um, so it was, you know, and then they did what you suggested. Where they they what? combined the two into one movie. And did they, did they cut down? Yeah, I think they cut... Yeah, you, you saw you liked it. I think. No, I, I never think, saw the cut down version. I thought you got the DVD. And no, that. I never. No, no, oh, I never. Okay. I never. You know, no. What happened with Kill Bill? And then I think we'll end on yeah. this. Is what what happened with Kill Bill? Is um, it came out? It, they they screened it for critics, and then having seen it, I I was ready to write the review, and then they edited it. They they said we're going to do another edit on it, 
and I had to go back and see this movie that I hated again and write a second story see, about the changes. my memory is different. Yeah? My memory is you had to go back to count the violence. Well, that's that was the side, that was like the uh, side benefit of it. What happened is that I wrote the review, but then they re-edited it. They, they took out some things. So I had to go back and see it again to, to say that. And then while we were at it, we had the fun of like saying there were, I think we did a little bit of a Joe Bob Briggs on that, which yeah. is, you know, reference to the past, but you would count all these things that happened. Anyway, Lee. And we tried to compare, I think we tried to compare it to The Passion of the Christ, if I'm not mistaken. They came out around the same time, yeah. and, and people were very mad at me from very different <laughs> sides of the uh, political spectrum, <laughs> interestingly. Yeah, that's funny. The ketchup factor. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, listen. As always, a pleasure, huh, Leva? It's yes, nice it's hanging a, out. This is great. Today, yeah. Happy yeah. Fourth of July, everybody. Yeah. And so, anyway, come it, back. I guess in a couple of weeks for another thrilling and exciting uh, movies with Mick LaSalle. I'm Mick LaSalle, and uh, signing off. Hurts. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thanks to Mick LaSalle and Leba Hertz. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke. And our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is Midnight Special by Ease Jammy Jams. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.